Hello and welcome to Heading North. This week's episode is called Conquering a Giant. It's going to follow very closely to the blog post that will be coming out this coming weekend, hopefully Saturday. If not Saturday, it'll be out Sunday. You can check that out at headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash blog. But this week is going to be all about going to, or my trip to Sleeping Giant Provincial Park in Ontario, Canada. It's just northeast of Thunder Bay proper. And Sleeping Giant is a series of messes on Sibley, Sibley Peninsula that overlooks the Thunder Bay area. And from a distance from that western and northwestern areas and southwestern areas, viewing Sleeping Giant, it looks as though there is a giant sleeping on its back shooting out that Sibley Peninsula. So my name is Nick, and I'm the host for this episode. And before we dive too heavily, heavily into Sleeping Giant, I just want to take a second to invite you to check out our store, our shop. If you are watching this episode and not just listening to it, yes, you can watch on YouTube or on Spotify. But I'm wearing my BWCA shirt. That's for the Boundary Water Canoeing area. And then I also have a SHT shirt up on the store as well. And both of those are, are unique to the rest of the series that we have on the shop in that all of the proceeds that come out of or outside of creating the shirt itself go directly to either the BWCA or the SHT foundations that helps them... Uh, work on the trails, maintain the trails, and keep the trails what they are for, and the, the canoeing areas what they are for generations in the future. So if you want to check that out, go to headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash shop and check those out, or you can pick up any of the awesome show merch that we have on there. My personal favorite is May the Forest Be With You. Not to dive too heavily into uh, the shop, I want to stay primarily on my previous trip to Canada. This isn't necessarily as much of a tips uh, tri uh, episode. So if you are looking for tips on travel to Canada, you can look back in our episodes and find uh, traveling to Canada. I, I have a whole episode on the do's and don'ts of that that I, I did with my girlfriend. But you guys can check that out and um, that'll give you a little bit more information or you guys can head over to the blog post this weekend and check that out as well in regards to getting some of the information I'm giving out today. But as I was saying, this is not a tips and tricks episode. This is all going to be about the trip up to Thunder Bay and the trip conversely going over to Sleeping Giant. So on my most recent trip before the Sleeping Giant uh, excursion trip, I had made the choice to go with my partner, my girlfriend, Megan, who you may remember from previous episodes and who will absolutely be on again. And we were doing another kind of urban exploration of the area. We did go to Kakabeka Falls on this trip, as well as Mount McKay, and we'll get a little bit into Mount McKay, but the bulk of our trip was staying in an Airbnb, very local in downtown Thunder Bay, and experiencing the more urban side of things, which was very similar to what I did on my first trip up to Ontario. But as I said, we'll get back to Mount McKay on the southeastern side of the city stands Mount McKay. It's a 483 meter, uh, which is in U.S. terms, uh, 1,585 foot flat top hill towering over the southern district of Thunder Bay. And at the top of this majestic hillside is a very unique view of Thunder Bay as well as Sleeping Giant uh, on the peninsula jutting out into Lake Superior. And what was so cool about this was is that if you looked left, so if you looked north once we were on this flat top hill, you could see all of the city, the hustle and bustle of an urban environment. But the second you looked east or northeast, all you would see is open landscapes of pine and spruce and other trees and other foliage, as well as the Sleeping Giant, as I was saying before, jutting out on that um, Sibley Peninsula and overlooking 
the Thunder Bay as a whole. And it's it's really awe-inspiring to see. And it looks a lot less daunting of a hike when you're looking at it from that far. But it is ultimately what caused me to want to come back up and conquer the giant that is Sleeping Giant. Well, I was living in north in the Northeast in the United States, so in New England area, uh, I was working, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And on top of that, Connecticut is a very expensive state to live in. So the idea of having the opportunity to go up to a place like Ontario and do Sleeping Giant would have not necessarily been my first choice simply because of cost and distance and time that it would have taken me out of work. But now that I live here in northern Minnesota and I'm only three and a half hours away from Thunder Bay and sleeping giant as a whole it it has become a regular thing for me it's actually funny because i'm going up there so regularly i had a little bit of trouble getting back across the border in the united states because they seemed it's odd that i had now been up there three times in under four months uh, but i was able to make it through and it was an absolutely awesome experience now not only is it cheaper to travel for me in this distance but thunder bay offers a really unique environment for where you stay there are obviously those hotels that are very much what most people are used to. You've got Hilton, Hampton, and other more regional uh, chains of hotels that are very reasonably, reasonably priced and very moderately updated, or modernly, I should say, updated. But what Thunder Bay has is very cost-effective short-term rentals. And by short-term rental, I mean Airbnb or, Vet, or Verbo, VRBO. And the range for, for Verbo and uh, Airbnb in the area generally starts at about $60. It can go up to about $120 to $150, but compared to a lot of nicer stays around here, it is quite cheap to, to use those options. And the $65 is generally gonna be a one room or a shared room, shared space. And also because we're no longer talking about the United States, it, it, there's a lot of options for hostels. Now, if you haven't stayed in a hostel before, a hostel is effectively a shared living space with a separated sleeping space or a bunk, depending on where you stay. And the nice thing about this is, is one, it's cost effective, but two, there's a community of usually hikers and travelers who stay at these locations that you can kind of connect with while you are staying in those shared living spaces. If you aren't really interested in that hostel lifestyle, there are also uh, a lot of flats or apartments available within the city. But there's also a lot of lake homes and cabins available that are much closer to the Sleeping Giant area. And because Sleeping Giant itself is about an hour drive from Thunder Bay because you have to come up around the bay and then come back down Sibley Peninsula, I made the choice on this day not to stay in the pro uh, city proper, but to stay at a lake home that is just northwest of the cities, which puts me at about a halfway point between Thunder Bay and Sleeping Giant. Now, this Airbnb experience I had was phenomenal. Unlike most days that I've had with Airbnb where I'm given a door code uh, when it's time for me to be able to check into the Airbnb or the, the short-term rental, depending on what it is, I physically had to meet the gentleman who was hosting me at his shared home. And his name was William. So William actually resided and stayed on the top level of the house where the center level being the living room and kitchen was a shared space. And then I had my own private bedroom on the lower half of the house that also had a connecting, I want to say like a den area where you could watch TV or a desk to work. And then its own separate uh, balcony or deck that overlooked Thunder Bay and Sleeping Giant, as well as I believe it was Caribou Island, which was a really neat space. And the cool thing about this, I, I was at first very uncomfortable about having to meet someone and not having the time frame that I was looking for, which we'll get to that. But 
it was very nice because you get that conversation with one of the locals where you can get those recommendations on a place like Sleeping Giant. And William actually took the cake because he also had a map waiting for me of the area that he knew I'd be hiking in. And the cool thing about that is, is it completely circumnavigated my need to stop at the park office when I entered in the morning. And I was planning on getting to the park very early, so it really helped out. Now, when I was traveling north, my I knew I'd be getting into Thunder Bay kind of late, and I knew I'd want to get dinner while I was in the city area. But because I had to meet with William before I could start my stay, I made the choice to go to him first, get checked in, get my gear dropped off, and then head back to the cities that 25 to 30 minute drive back into Thunder Bay. And so William and I met and we chatted and he gave me some recommendations. He found out what time I was planning on leaving, which was going to be right around 5.45 a.m. Um, so 6.45 a.m. in where I am in Minnesota is 5.45 there because Eastern time still stretches across this area of Canada. Not entirely sure, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but I don't believe that they have the same daylight savings uh, debacles that we do. So anyway, I met with him and then I head back to the city and I stopped at one of my favorite Mexican restaurants and had some delicious churros that those carbo loading, getting ready for the hike that was to come. So that was a great experience. The check-in was awesome. Getting to meet William and have that insight into Sleeping Giant, being that I haven't been, was an absolutely phenomenal experience. So now it's time to get home, get some rest. We'll get back to my Airbnb, I should say, and get some rest because I've got a 94 square mile park or 244 square kilometer park that I'm going to be hiking through the next day. So right around 11 o'clock, uh, I got myself to back to the Airbnb and I got myself into bed and I, I went to bed. And it was not the amount of sleep that I necessarily wanted, but I, I got a good meal out of the deal. So I wasn't too upset about that. And in that time of sleeping, I had found out that William had actually, had actually woken up before I told him I would be up and had made breakfast. So this is kind of the double thing where I was really enjoying the aspect of having a host in on the property and in the home was that I woke up to toast and coffee, which any hiker knows a good amount of carbohydrates in the morning with some jam and some coffee is going to be absolutely welcomed, especially that early. So William and I sat and had breakfast and then I, I packed my stuff up and I was on the, on my way. So Sleeping Giant, as I said, is about 30 minutes now north, or I, I guess not even north, but west of, or east of where I was staying. So I, I made that trip going and it was a great drive. And one of the cool things about the area that I was in is it's actually the southernmost tip of the boreal forest, which is the largest natural biome uh, across the world. And it is an area where it is entirely natural, spruce and pine, uh, pretty much what you would expect by going to like a northern Viking-esque village or northern Canadian area. Um, so as I was entering into Sibley Peninsula, I found myself entering the boreal forest. Not even a mile into my drive, once I had entered uh, the peninsula there, Sibley Peninsula, did I see my first black wolf. Now, knowing that there is a lot of danger of predators, especially mammals like black bear and wolves, that one was really neat to, to see, but also very humbling and uh, kind of set my tone to make sure that I was prepared for this hike and I had everything I needed. So one of the things that I didn't talk about in the going or traveling to Canada episode was uh, bear spray. So my first trip up, I had a very small canister of bear spray, something more to keep on your pocket or in a belt loop. And because it could be concealed and considered a weapon like mace, 
I was not allowed to bring it across the border. But I did get all of the information from the border crossing agents at, the, at that moment on my second trip out there. And on my third trip found that if I had a larger canister of bear spray in its package, I would be able to enter the country with that and not have it uh, taken from me uh, at, upon uh, crossing the border. So I did have bear spray with me this time, which was a phenomenal uh, peace of mind, though I didn't see any bears. I, I sure as heck think I smelt some bears. But um, another couple options that you have in areas like this that I noticed other campers were, were bringing or other hikers had were um, any type of noise making device. So a lot of people had bells attached to their backpacks or other pieces of metal that were hooked onto a string that could jiggle together and, and kind of hit. And um, it may be something that I use in future hikes simply because bear spray does inherently make me nervous. I don't necessarily want to use that on wildlife if I don't have to. And not to mention, if you are familiar with any type of OC spray, bear spray, or any other type of pepper spray, the reality of the matter is, is yes, you can use it on a target, but you will most likely have some effects of that as well. And that's not necessarily something you want to have to deal with if you are uh, in the presence of a predator, especially a black bear who is protecting its young. So something to keep in mind and really your best chance to deterring any of these animals like this is just to make noise and have those noisemakers. That way you don't even have to have an interaction where bear spray, bear spray is required. So when you get to Sleeping Giant, <coughs> so when you get to Sleeping Giant, it's another about 15 minutes to drive until you get to the parking lot where the trailhead is to sum it up to the top of Sleeping Giant. Now at that trailhead, you have 4.5 miles of flat ground hiking before you get to the actual rise or elevation needed to get to the peak of Sleeping Giant. And those first 4.5 miles were phenomenal. Mostly flat, there is some incline and decline at the beginning and end of that section there, but it's mostly flat and it's meant for mountain bikers. A lot of people mountain bike from that trailhead to the base of Sleeping Giant just to negate the, at that point, nine miles round trip that it would take to, to um, have to hike that trail itself. But some of the cool things about this trail was is that there was a lot of offshoots for camping, but also an offshoot called Tea Harbor. And what this is, is it's a landmass that juts off the peninsula and it physically creates a T where you are overlooking the northwestern side and the western side of Sleeping Giant and, over, and looking out into this beautiful area that is northern Lake Superior. And there's a lighthouse to see, but the, the basalt and the other stone that has been warped and, and battered and made into what it is by the lake itself is a really neat spot to look. And if you look on the Heading North social media, that's at Heading North Podcast on Instagram or Heading North Pod on TikTok, or excuse me, on Twitter, then you can see a lot of the photos that I posted of this area. But it was a really nice flat ground area to hike to uh, and kind of take in some sights before you do start that summit up Sleeping Giant. Now that 4.5 miles for me didn't take long, took about an hour, hour and 10 minutes to get to. And it, it's very funny because I, I realized very quickly as I was looking at Sleeping Giant as a whole, that it's gonna take me just as long to get the mile up to the top of Sleeping Giant as it is for me to do that other 4.5 miles. And I was absolutely accurate. Now, once you get to the portion where most people would park their mountain bikes, you are gonna cut right on the trail that you take and start heading towards those messes that make up the giant sleeping on this peninsula. And it's a, a really beautiful area. It's a part of the boreal forest. So you're just passing all these pines in different areas. 
I did happen to notice a good amount of uh, smaller varmint uh, being killed and left on the trail, which definitely indicates uh, things like coyotes or bobcats, any other type of feline hunter, maybe fishers. And then I did find a good amount of bear scat, but did not see really any predators on the entire trail outside of when I first entered in my vehicle to that, that uh, peninsula. And so definitely on top of seeing that wolf right at the beginning and then also seeing all of the bear scat and other things, I, I definitely kept my head on a swivel and just made sure that I was paying enough attention to my surroundings to make sure that I wasn't in a situation where I would have to deal with any type of uh, large predator. So through this hike, you are hiking about, I want to say about a half a mile, and you get to what was once a lake that sat in between these mesas that made up the, the greater peninsula area that is now dry land. And it actually made for a really beautiful landscape, like a valley, and then overlooking these large rock structures of basalt behind it. And that's really where I, I just started getting so excited for the rest of my trip. And... So I stopped, took some photos. Those are also on the social media. And then I kept heading farther up the trail. And that's where I got to the base, the, the proper base of Sleeping Giant. Now, as I said before, the mile it took me to get up, that probably 800 to 1,000 foot elevation gain it was in one mile and took me longer than it took for me to hike the 4.5 miles in to get to that point. I would say probably five miles once I got to that base there uh, to get you know, the, just a good, accurate amount of time frame. And the crazy thing about this was, is that I was expecting a much more gradual, even if it was a switchback, a more gradual uh, incline, but that's not what it was at all. And the trail itself at this point is made up of smaller switchbacks, as well as a lot of stairs made out of supplies that are taken directly from the trail. So logs, wood, stone, anything like that. And let me tell you, this is where I realized that this may be one of the hardest proper day hikes that I have done in quite some time. And I've done many 20 to 25 mile plus through uh, day hikes. And this one really took the cake as far as uh, how much physical exertion it took out of me to do. So once you get to the top of Sleeping Giant, you're, you're already seeing a good amount of just absolutely beautiful landscapes being in that elevation. But you do have another, I'm going to say about a half to point seven five miles before you get to the overlooks that i was hoping to make my halfway point getting to those areas there is some incline decline stuff like that but it, that's really not the area where you're going to get the most you know exercise on this trail it's actually where i i spend a little bit of time moving a little bit slower to try to regain some of my um my energy for the rest of the hike now getting to the top was absolutely rewarding due to that amount of elevation gains in such a rapid time but it was also awe-inspiring at this point you're sitting i want to say about 1676 feet above sea, uh, sea level and above lake superior and the lake itself is just this clear blue green color and it was so clear that i could actually look down and see sturgeon and other fish swimming in the water at that such a high distance. And yes, that means that those are some pretty large fish, but also just really speaks to how clear the water is and how fresh the water is in Lake Superior, especially up in its northern regions. On the opposite side, and at this point, it was kind of funny because I had absolutely no cell phone signal. And once I got to the other side of Sleeping Giant, so the side of this peninsula that is facing Thunder Bay, I was right back into 5G. So all of my notifications started swamping in and my GPS kind of updated on my phone. 
But um, I was also met with a really cool crevice that I haven't seen on many rock structures in northern Minnesota or in this area whatsoever. But effectively, it was that, you know, over a thousand foot set of rock that had split and made a V jutting out into the Thunder Bay Harbor as a whole or the Thunder Bay area. And this, again, more photos on social media if you guys want to check them out. I think I have photos on this on both the Grizzly Adams as well as the Heading North Podcast Instagram for you guys to check out. So definitely look at that. But this area was just absolutely phenomenal and also where I decided that I was going to sit and have my, uh, my snack lunch and um, relax. So I'm sitting not too close to the edge because I'm smart enough to know not to do that. But at that time, I start hearing some ladies who uh, I could actually hear on the bulk of my trip up the mountain, knowing that they were behind me, which was kind of nice because it probably helped scare the bears away. But um, these two ladies uh, actually were talking and, and started taking photos, and I offered to take a photo of them at the ledge, and then they did the same for me. And it actually uh, generated a great opportunity for me to have some buddies to hike with on my way back. Now, the trip back down with these uh, two ladies was absolutely phenomenal. I'm not going to use any names because I, I haven't asked if they are comfortable with that. But if you girls are listening, I miss you guys. I uh, hope I see you guys in a couple weeks if you want to reach out to do that uh, paddle excursion we talked about. But I divulge. So it gave me an opportunity to have, have some company on my way down and have some communications about the area, Thunder Bay, and just hear from them as far as what they enjoy hiking and not only what they enjoy but different sports they enjoy and their insane ability to run marathons which i'm still absolutely impressed with i think one of them was at one point on track until covid to hit 50 marathons by the time they turned 50 and that that to me is just absolutely phenomenal and something that any person should really um you know, hope for in, in their ability and in their athletic lives. And, and she was there and she was, she was going to make it obviously until COVID kind of messed up our ability to go to some of these larger uh, marathons. But anyway, my way down was full of conversation about birthdays and um, plans to go to Nashville. We're talking about the proper footwear on the trail and it really made for a great way back. And it, it really kind of kept my mind off of the amount of uh, soreness that I was experiencing after hiking up such a large face. Now, I got to the parks very early, and in that, I would have been the first round trip of the day. These ladies did obviously beat me simply because they had mountain bikes at the base. So if you ask anyone, and if you happen to be talking to these two lovely young ladies, please let them know that I was still the first round trip because I didn't cheat with mountain bikes. A little bit of an inside joke. I'm hoping you ladies are listening to, to hear that and hopefully uh, argue back, but that's, that's how I, I feel about that. So now we get to the base and the hike back was a lot less easy. Those 4.5 miles were a lot less easy and a lot less um, energy filled than they were on my way out, obviously, because my body was pretty exerted at that point. And I finished my 14.25 miles uh, of this hike at about, I want to say it was 11.35. So I, I spent about four hours and 45 minutes on the trail, which is under the five and a half hour mark that most people on the forums and apps I use uh, to find these hikes and find the right trails uh, had said that they were able to do it in. So I'm pretty proud of that. And now once this is done, it's time to explore and eat. I love eating when it comes to after hiking and getting that nice big rewarding meal and having a nice rewarding beer. But before I go and get those that food, I needed to explore a little bit. But before I went and got that 
rewarding food and drink I needed to explore a little bit and I had actually heard from Williams William my host that there was a town actually built on this peninsula in the provincial park called Isle and I went to Isle and it had this really awesome little shop there and it's just a beautiful little very clearly fishing village uh, lots of boats very reminiscent of what I experienced in New England as far as a shoreline and it's a great spot to check out if you do go to this hike and you have completed it and are looking for something to do on that peninsula. But once I finished that, it was time for my hour ride back to Thunder Bay to get some lunch and do a little bit of walking around before I headed south to get home. And so I, I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, well, I did Sleeping Giant. Where can I go get a beer that's really going to be in my mind this awesome reward after conquering the giant? So I thought there's no better place than Sleeping Giant Brewery. If you haven't been or haven't heard of it, it's a brewery that's in Thunder Bay and uh, their beer is absolutely phenomenal. You can actually get it on tap at most of the restaurants in town or in that surrounding city area. But I went directly to their tap house and got myself a delicious beer. I think I got one of their hoppier beers, one of their IPAs, and picked myself up a Sleeping Giant Brewery shirt to commemorate my uh, hike that I had just completed. <clears throat> then after that, I went down to Red Lion and I got myself a very delicious English style meal <coughs> to make sure that I, I regained a lot of the calories that I had. And once that was done, it was about time for me to head back where I get home, hopefully around nine o'clock at night. And that's what I did. So the trip as a whole is phenomenal. If you are going to be doing the Sleeping Giant uh, provincial park or any of those hikes there's a few things that i want you to to leave this episode with the first is is to bring plenty of snacks and water this trail even though it's a 14 miler and doesn't seem too daunting is at more of an experience level for would be at more of an experience level for most people and will be burning a lot of calories within your body and will be causing you to burn a lot of water so you want to make sure you have enough of that secondly i would recommend highly recommend that you bring things like bear spray as the last chance or last case scenario for a situation where you run into mammals or predators, but also have some type of noise-making device on your body to help ward away and scare away any of the black bears or wolves that may be in the area so that you don't have to resort to using something that could injure that animal. And other than that, make sure that you have some proper footwear and please, please, please do not get too close to the edge and do not throw anything off the ledge. There are trails underneath that you could hit someone if you do throw something like a rock off the ledge. And if you do get too close, this is an area that is consistently battered by storms and other things that have created this topography that is there. So there is a good chance that you could fall off and it's not a height where you would survive that. You, you would most likely perish if you did fall. So please be safe, please be smart, and don't go chasing after those ridiculous Instagram photos where you're standing on the edge of the world. Other than that, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and thank you so much to Asylum Music and Media Works for creating all the music that you hear in this episode. If you want to hear more from Heading North Podcast, just go to headingnorthpodcast.com forward slash listen, listen, or just go to headingnorthpodcast.com to check out things like our shop, our blog, ways to give back to the podcast itself, and our YouTube videos are all in that one place, so definitely check those out. If you want to find Heading North on social media, just search Heading North Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok or you can search Heading North Pod on Twitter. And if you really want to support this show, make sure that you give us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.